Good morning. I spoke with Pastor Matt this morning and he had one thing to say to you. Go Big Orange. I don't know what that means, but uh, that is what he told me to tell you. I will uh, allow everyone to somewhat be at ease and uh, you can now vocally participate in this portion of the service. I need you to look to the person to your left and right or in front of you or behind you and say something like this. Don't worry, this one's for me, not for you. A lot of laughter. I was in my second month of being a pastor and I was at a deacon's meeting, and that deacon's meeting was over a meal. So I got my plate, and there was a spot between two men in their 60s. And so I went and sat down, and they did not respond to me being there, and that was quite all right because they continued their conversation. And their conversation went something like this. It hit on numerous topics but it kind of settled into just one area when one of the men said this, growing old ain't for sissies. I know that is not good grammar, but that is great practical life experience. And he went on to state this about him getting old. He said, I was at the doctor this past week, and as he told me, there were some things that I needed to give up. And there were some things that I needed to start doing. I needed to give up some fatty foods. Just a pause there. I believe we were eating fatty foods that evening as we sat down and ate. But I needed to give up some fatty foods and I needed to start exercising. Or, and here were the doctor's words, you will not see many more days or years. But if you do these things, you possibly will see some more days and years. And this gentleman was very witty and quick, and he retorted back to the doctor, will those days and years be in my 20s or my 80s? Because if they're in my 80s, I don't want them. The other gentleman piped in and said, I don't know. When I'm 87, I will probably want to be 88. It really does not matter the day or the year of life, if you're here this morning and you are in your teens, life looks like you haven't even begun it yet. If you find yourself in your 20s, life is just beginning. It's pretty much all in front of you. 30s, life is hectic. Kids are taken from grade school to practice and back and forth. The direction that you go on Monday is different than that of Tuesday and Thursday. It is all over the place. Forties. Watch out. Kids can drive. That's a good thing and a bad thing. Fifties. Empty nesters. Some might say life begins. Sixties and seventies. Retirement comes into existence all the while like those two deacons that I pastored 
there are visits and there are items that you and I must tune into. No matter where you find yourself in life's journey today, you and I are called to live life. So my question as I ask you to turn to Galatians chapter 2 is this, how is life? Not physical life per se, but how is your life today? Spiritually speaking, how are you doing? What does the Christian life, the Christ life, what is it supposed to look like? Adrian Rogers stated this, that the average Christian, you and me, the average Christian, lives a life that is so subnormal. That is so subnormal. If you and I would ever get normal, he states, you and I would think that it is abnormal. This morning, I want us to spend some time in Galatians chapter 2, namely one verse. I'm going to read a number of verses, but one verse, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, and look at what I've entitled the sermon, The Three Eyes of Life. Paul records these words to those in Galatia, Chapter 2, verse 15 and following, We ourselves are Jews by birth, not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law. But Christ who lives in me, and the life, excuse me, I skipped a verse, excuse me, a uh, line. Let me start in verse 19 again. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, and gave himself for me. Father, as we spend these moments, would you speak to our hearts and to our lives, for you are worthy of praise and worship and glory. I ask it in Christ's name, amen. The three eyes of life. The first eye is this, the old eye is dead. The old eye is dead. Dead. Right there in verse 20, the first phrase of it in the ESV states, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. 
the old I is dead. If you are a believer in Christ, if he is your Lord, your Savior, you've bowed the knee, you've confessed with the mouth that he is your Lord, you, sir, you, ma'am, are dead. You and I no longer have rights. You and I no longer have life. We are dead. Guy King, pastor of yesteryear, pastor on the other side of the Atlantic, stated this about the old man. The old man is the man of old. The man I used to be, the poor, unregenerate person that once was, but no longer is. The old man is the man of the flesh. The old man, the old woman, if you are a believer, a follower in Christ, is dead. Galatians chapter 2, verse 15 and following is a personal testimony that Paul writes to those in Galatia about himself. Paul thinks back, not too long in the past as he is writing this, but he thinks back to the change that happened in him. He had some marching orders. He took those orders out of Jerusalem so that he could go continue to stop the movement called the way, the brothers and sisters who were believers in Christ. And Cry and Paul got to the outskirts of Damascus, and there he met Christ face to face. And when he met him face to face, he changed. The old man died. New marching orders, new master, new savior, new Lord. And the same is for you and for me. In this personal testimony, Paul states about this old man. The old is dead. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. When Christ died on the cross, in one sense, Paul died on the cross. When Christ died on the cross, in one sense, you died on the cross. I died on the cross. When Christ was there on the cross, paying for your sin and my sin, Paul writes to those in Galatia, and he writes to us today, reminding us that we are dead. Because we are in Christ. And if you and I are dead, you and I are in Christ, church, you and I are to live different. No longer, as we sang just a moment ago, and the choir sang as well, no longer are there chains. No longer is there bondage. No longer is there slavery for you and me because Christ paid the price for your sin. You and I have a different master than the things of this world. Paul writes to encourage and challenge and draw those of us who have possibly wandered away from our Savior back to Him. Three places in the New Testament Paul writes about the old man. He writes about it here. 
in Galatians, he writes about it in Colossians chapter 3, and he writes about it in Ephesians chapter 4. Let me read for us a few verses in Colossians chapter 3 when he states this in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked. In these you too once walked when you were living in them but now you must put them all away you must put away anger and wrath and malice slander obscene talk from your mouth do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator the old man for you and me is dead Ladies, uh, I know it does not happen with you, but your other half, your worse half that I resemble um, at my house, it, it happens to us more than likely. We, we go by the dirty clothes and we look at an article of clothing and say, you know what, I really didn't wear that that long. I really didn't do that much in that and we put on that shirt again or those pants again and we go about our day in one sense that's what Paul is talking about but he really takes it to a whole different level in the homes in Tupelo and the homes in Lee County that event might happen but there is none of us in the room there are none of us here today that would ever take a shovel or a mini excavator and go out to the cemetery and dig up a casket open that casket and take a skirt out or take a shirt out or a suit out and say yeah let's put that on and let's go on we would never do that yet spiritually Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and every other day, you and I often, I believe, go back to the old man and go back to the old woman and we put on those clothes. The old man, sir, for you and me, must die and must remain dead. You and I should never go back there. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul states it this way. Speaking of the old man. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They've become callous. They've given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But First Baptist Church, Tupelo, that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him, were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Put off the old self, which belongs to the former, your former manner of life. It's corrupt through deceitful desires. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and Holiness. The old I is dead. Is the old I dead in you today? It's 
It's the old I. Dead. The old attitudes of you being selfish. You needing, wanting, having to have your way. Is he or she dead? For us to live the Christ life, for us to live the Christian life, the normal life, the old man must be dead. Not only do we see in this passage that the old I is dead, but you and I need to also see that next phrase, the new I is alive. I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. The life that you and I are to be living, the life that Paul was living at that moment, the life that he was encouraging those in Galatia and in other cities in Asia Minor to live and even for us today to live, the new I is alive. Two descriptors in this phrase that you and I need to key in on, I believe. First, it is presently happening, meaning this, that you and I are to be living at this moment differently than those that don't have Christ. Prior to Jesus, you and I lived for things of this world. Prior to Jesus, you and I found ourselves like those in Ephesus that Paul wrote about, those living after the five senses, everything that you could see, touch, taste, hear, feel, know, right here, temporal, physical. That's what they lived for, and that's what you and I lived for prior to Christ, yet the life I now live, presently speaking, the life that I am living out day after day, moment after moment, is different. It is lived out in faith. That's the second. Your life now is to be lived out in faith. Some have stated that faith is a church word. I disagree. Faith is not a church word. Every single person that lives on the face of this earth, has lived on the face of the earth, will live on the face of the earth, lives by faith. Every single person ever in existence lives by faith. It just depends on the subject of that faith. Some, most, live in a faith in self. A faith in the things that they can see. A faith in so-called experts, science, and some of us live by faith in Christ. You have faith in the chair that you're sitting in. You have faith in the doctors that you go and see. You have faith at the house. You have faith at the job site. Every place that you and I go, we live by faith. The new I 
is to be lived out in faith. Not faith in faith, but faith in Christ. How is life going? I asked you spiritually how your life was, but now let's shift and ask it a different way. How is life in 2022 going? Some state that uh, once you and I become a believer in Christ, that life is always good, life is always easy. I believe that I would argue that oftentimes life is harder as a believer than as a non-believer. Manly Beasley stated this about faith. Faith does not always take you out of the storm. Faith allows you and me. Faith calms us in the midst of the storm. You and I in the new of life must live by faith it must be internalized Jesus stated it this way in John chapter 7 verse 37 and 38 on the last day of the feast the great day Jesus stood up and he cried out if anyone thirst if anyone thirst let him come to me and drink whoever believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water two words in those verses Anyone who thirsts, let him come and drink. And then that next phrase in the next sentence says, whoever believes. Drink and believes. In English, they, they seem to be so foreign on the opposite ends of the poles, so to speak. But in Greek, not the case. They are somewhat like cousins of each other. They are closely tied together. Those that drink in, that internalize him those who believe in him. When you and I drink something of alcohol, we now say that the blood alcohol level is a specific number. And how that happens is when you and I drink whatever we drink. It, it could be alcohol or it could be sweet tea or it could be orange juice. Almost instantaneously, if you and I were to take and prick the bottom of our toe, you and I would see what we just drank. It's in us, and it has consumed every aspect of us. That is what Jesus, and that is what Paul is trying to get across to us this morning, that we must internalize and drink in this by faith. The same is lived out every single day. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Maybe you are saying this, okay, Brian, how do we do that? You did not know this morning that you were coming for a pop quiz, but it's uh, an easy quiz. It's a quiz about you, and it's a quiz that only you can give the answer to. I would 
ask you probably not to give your answer out vocally. Call attention to yourself, but how do you do this? How do you live the Christian life, and how do you live it by faith? You and I must internalize, must take in, must consume Christ. So let's think about your last few days. Just one aspect of your last few days, and we'll move along quickly. In the last few days, how much YouTube have you consumed? In the last few days, how much TikTok have you consumed? How much Instagram have you consumed? It's not just for the younger folk. How much Fox News, Fox Business have you consumed? How much Home and Garden have you consumed in the last few days? How much Galatians have you consumed? How much Ephesians? How much Haggai? How much Genesis? How much Exodus? How much Psalms, Proverbs, Matthew, Luke, John? Have you consumed more of the things of this world in the last seven days than the things of the world that is to come? Have you consumed more of the temporal in this day than the eternal? If that's the case, it's no wonder why you and I look just like our neighbors that never speak his name. If you and I are going to be different, first Tupelo, you and I must consume him. You and I must allow him to take over us and live out every single moment of every single day. And it starts when the moment that you wake up and it ends the last nanosecond that your eyes are open before you close out your day. The old eye is dead. The new eye is alive. I close this morning with this statement and a brief story. The little I, you and me, must remain there. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Life today must be different because Jesus is in you. He's in you. And if he is in you, and as a believer he is in you, he must be on the throne of you. He loved you and gave himself up for you. Conrad was 12, and Conrad's mom was tired of Conrad being inside, and so she told Conrad and all the others, the other two kids in the house, I don't care what you do, just get outside. And so they did. It wasn't much longer that Conrad got tired of his two siblings, and he told them, I don't care where you go, just get out of my sight. And they did. Conrad found himself there at the creek, and he was trying to do what 12-year-old boys like to do, and that's fish and 
play, and he looked over in the side of the hill and saw something, and he'd never seen what he was looking at. And so he started digging, and he finally got it out, and it was heavy, and he didn't know what to do. He didn't know what it was, so he muscled en- enough up to carry what it was upstairs, up back up to the house and in the house, and he asked his mom, what is this? And she said, I don't know. I have to wait till Dad gets home. Dad gets home, and of course, as soon as he's in the door, Conrad and the two siblings are like, Dad, what is it, what is it, what is it? Dad looks at it, he's like, I don't know. It was the centerpiece for their table for multiple nights. It was that of the conversation for multiple nights. But then it made its way to be a doorstop. And every morning they would kick it over and they would open the door and it would leave the door open. And every night they would kick it around and it would leave the door closed. For three years, that's what they did. Three years, that's what they did. Finally, Dad, Mr. Reed, found himself going to Fayetteville, North Carolina. Conrad told him, you've got to take this and figure out what it is. So he did. He took it into a jeweler. The jeweler fluxed off some of that rock, and sure enough, it was gold. 17-pound gold nugget. 1802, that gold nugget was worth over $3,000. Mr. Reed was told by the jeweler, ask whatever you, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. And he didn't know what he had. And he said, well, a week's wage is $3.50. I think that's what it's worth. Quickly, quickly he gave him that. Today it's worth almost half a million dollars. I close by telling you that for this. Do you know what you have in Jesus Christ? He's not an eternal, yes, I'm out of hell, no flames for me. That's not Christ. Christ is the Lord of all lords. He is the master and ruler of this age and the one that is to come. And he loved you and he loved me so much that he gave himself for us. And he desires you, First Baptist, Tupelo, sir, ma'am, he desires you to allow him to live in and through you at the job site at the house at the ball practice at the game on vacation in the morning in the evening wherever you go whatever comes in front of you he desires you to allow him to live through you heavenly father we bow before you and god it is a privilege to be able to come to you father it is a gift and lord i pray that this faith family does not take it lightly i don't believe that they do but i pray that we don't the gift that you gave us in your son jesus jesus thank you thank you thank you May we die. Christ, may you live in and through us. I ask it in your name, Lord. Amen.